morning. You know, you may be asking, why am I preaching? Because Pastor Peter's standing right here. Give it up for Pastor Peter to say it. Like, can we just hear from our pastor? Well, unfortunately, no. You get to hear from me, and I'm so glad to be with you. It's an honor to be here today. I, um, I've been pastoring Luminous Church for almost four years now, and I want to let you know, you may or may not know this, but you are catalytic in our journey of launching us into San Antonio. Uh, when we were uh, praying about church planning and deciding, my wife and I, this is Brandy up here on the front, Brandy Chapman. Go ahead. Give everybody the first lady wave. Okay, come on. We, when we were praying about where, where should we go, what should we do, how, where should we plant a church, I, I still remember Pastor Peter calling me and saying, hey, have you and your wife ever considered planting a church in San Antonio, Texas? And he didn't know this, but actually that was the only city that my wife was desiring to go and be a part of was San Antonio. And so it was just confirmation to call me out. And I know that... Um, Pastor Peter has done the same for you, hasn't he? He's called you out into something greater, something beyond of what you're in just um, currently and now. And if you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 10 is where we're going to be this morning. Luke chapter 10. Uh, I'm also excited because um, Pastor Peter asked me to sit on the board here at the Springs Church. And and I've just been honored to be a part of behind the scenes and and being a part of um, the business side of church and and really looking at what uh, Pastor Peter and the leadership here is doing. And um, he is an amazing man, tremendous man. Our church would not be what it is today without him. And I know this church wouldn't be what it is today without him. And so can we give your pastor a big hand this morning? I'm so thankful for him. Today, I want to talk about overcoming, overcoming apathy. Tell your neighbor, let's overcome apathy. Tell your other neighbor like you mean it, like you're really going to overcome it. Let's overcome apathy. There you go. If you don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting pretty excited, pretty animated. Uh, Scott told me, hey, I, I knew who you were because you're like the shorter Peter. You're just as loud as him. You're just a lot shorter and not nearly as athletic. He didn't say that part. I added that part, but... It is so true. I'm, I'm uh, very animated. I would love some participation. I love that when we come to church that we can just be alive in this place. This is where we should find life, right? If you aren't having fun in the church, where are you having fun? That's my question to you. Where are you having fun if you're not having fun here at prayer tonight at 5 p.m.? Where, where are you having fun? I, I, have you seen the show, What Would You Do? What would you do? Have you seen that show? I love that show. It's on Friday night. So some of you are like, man, I, I don't watch any TV on Friday night. I'm out with my friends um, hanging out. But what would you do? I, I'll, I'll paint the picture for you just real quickly. It's uh, this picture of, of they set up these ethical scenarios, these scenarios where, where they, they have these actors and maybe a car uh, bumps another car and, and they have these actors set up a scenario so these bystanders you and me we walk by and we see uh, what just happened and and the question is what would you do if you saw something like that what would you do let me fix this real quickly moving too much man i'm just too much what would you do and and there's uh, uh multiple scenarios there's the scenario where they would actually hire uh 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 kid who's a little overweight and they would have him go buy a donut at the donut store and and then the the person in line who's the other actor said you don't need a donut what are you doing you you don't need a donut and and starts this thing with them and 
And what would you do? What would you do if you saw something like that, a dilemma like that? Would you intervene? Would you step in? Or would you just ignore it? Or would you go to the donut shop next door? You're like, I'll just, they got donuts over there too. I'll, I cannot be a part of this. Or maybe, maybe the car gets hit and the bumper falls off and, and the person looks at it, the actor, and he goes, oh, tries to fix it and walks away. But the bystander sees it. What would you do? I, I'm a superhero by nature. <laughs> Not really. But I love saving the day. Any of you like saving the day? You like being the hero, finding the lost dog on the, on the uh, post outside, doing something like that? I would like to think that if I saw something like this, I would intervene. Don't you? Don't you think that you would like to intervene? You would like to do something about this? If somebody hits a car, I'll be like, yo, where are you going, man? Leave a note or something, you know, writing down his license plate. I'll give you a real life example. I went to, we're going to get in the word. I promise we're getting in the word. This is, it's all set up. I'm just building. I'm building the tension here. So, so here in the HEB parking lot, we see a, I saw a van sitting there and they were dropping off some people and a truck came by and sideswiped the van. And I realized this was my moment. This was my moment to save the day. That, that truck sideswiped and then took off out of the parking lot. I ran to my car as fast as possible. I got in my car. I started chasing them. I called 911. I told them, hey, this car just did a hit and run in H-E-B parking lot. I'm following them right now down the street. Uh, sir, be careful. Uh, watch yourself, sir. Uh, please don't speed. I can't help it, but I got to find this guy. They thought they lost me, but they didn't lose me. You know what I'm saying? And so we go around. I see him pull into this apartment complex, and I got him. I say, they're at this apartment complex. This is their license plate number. Come and get them. I felt like a hero. I felt like you're, you ever done something like that? No, no, never have. That's crazy. You know, I'd like to think that we would save the day when we see injustice, when we see things. But, but the truth of the matter is, is the volume of information that we're seeing in the news today and the volume of information that comes our way, it's, it's hard to do something about it. Yeah, for instance, there, there may be a school shooting in Santa Fe, and, and Santa Fe has a school shooting, and, and you, your heart goes out to them, and you're like, man, we got to pray, and you start hashtagging prayer, and then you hashtag prayer Houston, hashtag prayer everything, we're hashtag prayer everything and anything, and we feel like we really need to go and do something about this situation, we need to stand up. But the information is information overload, and you read the newsfeed article And you're like, man, I need to do something about that. And then the next day, you can't even find the news article, right? Because there's more and more information, more and more stuff coming our way. And as a result, with me being a millennial and a lot of you being millennials here, we were the generation of promise, right? We were the generation that was going to change the world. We were the generation that was going to give more money away and do more things than any other generation. We had so much promise, and yet we've been labeled an apathetic generation, an apathetic generation, a generation that has lack of concern, a lack of passion, lack of interest. It's just because there's so many things. How can I really make a difference? How can I really affect change? I want to tell you, it's not just our generation, the millennials, and not just our mothers and fathers and their mothers and fathers, right? But this has been a known problem for a very long time. In fact, in Luke chapter 10, Jesus goes up 
a man goes up to Jesus and, and he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And he says, you should, you should love God and love your neighbor. Obey, obey the law. That's pretty simple, right? Love God, love people. That's what you should do. And, and he, wishing to justify himself, says this, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So Jesus goes on and tells them this story. In Luke chapter 10, a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. This man that was beaten and bruised and battered, left for dead on the side of the road, taking all of his possessions away from him. And he begins to say this in the parable and the illustration that, that a priest, Pastor Peter, was walking along the side of the road. And he went down. And when he saw the man who was down and out, the situation, he passed down by on the other side. So to a, a Levite or, or Tiffany passed by, and when she came to the place and saw him, she passed by on the other side as well. He uses these people who, who should be upright more than anybody else. These are, these are the priests and the worship leaders. These are the people who should be all right. They're doing the checklist. They're doing all these things, and they're passing by on the other side. They're passing by on the other side. They're ignoring the problem. And this is one of the most powerful images of apathy, isn't it? It's one of the most powerful images. It's like, is it really worth the risk to help somebody? Is it really worth the risk and that I may risk my life in order to help this person on the side of the road? I'll risk my reputation if I were to help this person as, as, a, as a pastor, as a worship leader, would, would I risk everything that I am? Would I risk it? It's an epidemic of apathy, isn't it? An epidemic of apathy. We just sit there and we're like, meh, I don't know if I'm going to help. We, we sit there and we, we see a situation and we just go, meh, I, I just, I don't. I don't know if I'm going to do this. We, we, as a generation after church, we're going to be like, where, where do you want to eat? Where do you want to eat? And wh- what are you going to say? Meh. I, I don't care. Uh, where, what movie do you want to go see? Meh. I don't know. I don't know. We, we constantly do this. We live in this moment, this generation where it's like that. And the question is, is why don't we care like Jesus cares? Why don't you and I care like Jesus cares. Now, maybe some of you are saying, oh, pastor, I do care like that. And I think some of us do. We do care in that same fashion, in that same moment. But the the reason that a lot of us don't care is because what I said earlier, the volume of information is overwhelming. The the earthquake in Nepal, the the shooting in the schools, the, the... nuclear summits and everything else political happening in the world today. It's just too much information. There's just too many things to care about. I'm trying to, you know, potty train my child. I'm trying to pass school. I'm trying to binge Netflix and watch Stranger Things before, before it's over. I'm trying to do too many things. There's just too much going on. I just can't care. I think also maybe we just feel helpless to make a change. 
We feel helpless to make a change because, because really, if I were to do something, would it really matter? Have you ever felt like that? Like, would I do something? Does it really matter? I feel helpless. It's, it's the cat on the telephone pole to find the cat. Like, is it, am I really going to find this cat? Like, probably not. I'll just keep moving on, you know, and, and, and we do that. Um, and I'm saying that, which is a, a very personal thing for some people, but there are personal things for everybody in here where, where we see it and we say, I just don't know if I can make a difference. I just don't know if I can do it. We're trying to figure out a lot. We're trying to figure out where we're going to work this summer, right? We're trying to figure out who we going to the river with, you know, this week. What girl am I going to go date? This week, all summer, to be my girlfriend. What boy am I going to show interest in? What, 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 there's just a lot of things that we care about. The third thing is we are blessed and cursed with comfort. Blessed and cursed with comfort. Being comfortable is not a bad thing, right? How many of you want AC in this place? Like, like, amen. Thank you, Lord, for the AC. Thank you for those who tithe so we can pay for the AC, Pastor Peter. You know, I mean, it's not bad. It's not bad to want some comfortable things, but, but we're blessed and cursed with comfort. For instance, like um, Amazon Prime. How many of you know, like, you love Amazon Prime? Like, whoa, man, I get this shipped immediately to my house, shipping free. How many of you know when, when it took two days, Amazon introduced the two-day shipping versus the one-day shipping? Some of you went, you were pretty mad. You're pretty angry about it. You're pretty frustrated. I know I was. I was like, man, I'll pay that extra five nine nine to get it here right now. You know, I mean, you just, you don't, it doesn't matter. You, you do all these things. We're blessed and cursed with comfort that we can watch any show we want on Netflix. It's, it's a blessing and, and there's, it's comfortable and it's amazing. But how many know it can be a curse when you're watching Netflix the whole time and you missed your job, Right? You, you, miss, you miss mowing your parents' lawn. You miss doing something that you were supposed to do. Some of you have been watching Netflix so long, you've been stacking bills, haven't even been looking at your bills. Piling up, piling up, piling up. So many things like that. We, we can order pizza from our phone right there, and it can be delivered to us. Now at, at Lowe's Home Improvement, they have the pickup line where I can go there. I went to Lowe's this week. We were trying to sell our house, and I needed some new toilet bowl handles. And so I went to Lowe's, and, and when I went in there, I decided to order through the app. And so I went to the pickup thing, and I decided, you know what? I really don't want that one. I want another one. So I walked all the way to the back of the store. That's far, you know. All the way to the back store. I grabbed this handle. I come to the front, and I check out with this handle. I was like, why didn't I just do that? Why, why, did, I, why did I just not take a few more steps? We're blessed and cursed with comfort, and it's a great thing. It's a great thing that, that the elderly can pull up to a store and have their groceries taken out. There's a great thing about all these things that are happening. We are connected when we're in isolation, and we can't go anywhere because we're unable to physically, that we can still connect with family and friends. There's, there's great blessings in it, but there we're also cursed. 
You know Etsy? Who likes Etsy? You know, you love Etsy. You order on there. You're going to order that bracelet that nobody else has to make you special. You know, like you can order those clothes to make your kids look better than every other kid in the world. You know, you, you, we are so blessed. You know, one day we're going to stand in a machine and they're just going to zap us, measure all everything, and then boop, here it comes. We're going to have tailor-made clothes, all of us. The truth is, is we grew up in a culture where we feel like life is about us, but I want to let you know life is not about you. Just say that. Life's not about me. Oh, that hurt. That hurt for some of you saying that. And yet, I hope you find some freedom through that. Find some freedom of when you know that life is not about you. So what do, we, what do we have to do in this moment? We have to consistently expose ourselves to something that creates a righteous discomfort to break the level of apathy in our life. We have to consistently, daily, weekly expose ourselves to something that is going to make us uncomfortable in life. A righteous discomfort. I'm not talking about that, that uncomfortable thing where you break your nail. You're like, I, I broke my nail. I got to go get this fixed, man. This is, life is just not fair. Breaking my routine. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about these things that God has put inside of you. This, this righteous discomfort that you would lean into the things that make you uncomfortable. It would, it would be showing up a prayer night at five o'clock tonight. I don't even like praying in front of my spouse. I don't like even praying in front of anybody. I'm not going to that thing. But if you lean into that thing, you're going to break that level of apathy and that stereotype that everybody's been putting on you. That stereotype that that the Pharisees and Sadducees live, that that they're righteous, they're holy, they're not going to help the poor, the down and out, the one beaten on the road. We have to lean into those things. We have to lean into those growth groups this summer. We have to, we have to lean into Establish 101 where you've been coming to the Springs for, for six months and you're like, I don't want to go to that thing because I don't want to meet anybody new. I just want to sit in the back and sneak out during communion. You know, some of you, I know. You got to lean into those things. You got to, I'm going to root myself. I'm going to establish myself and I'm not going to be apathetic. I'm going to, I'm going to be passionate and I'm going to pursue what God has for me. Some of you are going to go to Jess and say, you've been talking about Haiti for a long time, for a long time. And you're going to go, I need to go with you. I don't want to see the poor. I don't want to do this. I don't, it's uncomfortable. I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the toilet in a hole in the ground. I don't want to do any of that. But do it and watch what God does with you. He's going to do something amazing. Some of you are scared of Victory Weekend. You've been scared of Victory Weekend. You're like, man, I heard things. I heard things like yelling at a pillow and stuff. That's just weird. I'm not doing that. Right? Lean into something that's righteous discomfort and watch God break apathy off of you. Watch God do and change you in a way that only he can do. That's what God's called us to do. And it's not just the good Samaritan that did this, but, but actually the one who penned a lot of the letters that we read, that we live by, or we should live by. Paul tells us about how to begin this passionate pursuit, this, this passionate pursuit in Romans chapter 9, 1 through 2. 
With Christ as my witness, I speak with utter truthfulness. My conscience and the Holy Spirit confirm it. My heart is filled with bitter sorrow and unending grief for my people. My Jewish brothers and sisters, I would be willing to be forever cursed, cut off from Christ, if that would save them. That is powerful. I'd be willing to be cut off from these friendships, cut off from social classes, cultural classes, cut off if it were to save them. I'm willing to abandon everything so that some would come to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He was willing to give his own life for this cause. He was willing to passionately pursue what God had. So how do we channel our passion, how we channel this passion that God is calling us to have to break the level of apathy. The first thing you have to do is you have to focus on something. Everybody say something. something. You have to focus on something. There's many things that will catch your attention, but there's few things that will capture your heart. There's many things that capture our attention, few things that capture our heart. What is the thing that God is having capture your heart? Is it, is it the unborn? Is it, is it those who are caught up in, in child sex slavery? Is it, is it other things that, that are capturing your heart? I know for many of us, maybe it's cancer research and we need to go do walks and 5Ks and 10Ks. Maybe that's what you're passionate about. Maybe that's the righteous thing that is burning inside of you. Maybe you have freedom from an addiction. Have you ever experienced freedom from addiction? Maybe it was pornography or alcoholism or drugs or or binging on Netflix or whatever it may be that you've been addicted to. And you found freedom and now you're passionate about it. You're passionate about it. You have to focus on something because there's a lot of things. There's a lot of things and we can get overwhelmed with the information. So let's just make a big difference in a, a very few places than making a small difference in many places. Let's do what God has called us to do. Jesus was focused in Luke chapter 4. In Luke chapter 4, verse 17, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. I want to stop right here. Jesus knew his word. Jesus knew his word. This is important. He knew exactly where to go to preach exactly what he needed to preach in the exact amount of time. The only way that you know your word is to be in your word. Be in your word this summer. Where is written, verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom from the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Drop Mike. I love that. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today is fulfilled. He knew exactly what he was called to do. It was this verse from Isaiah that this is what I'm called to do. This is what I'm called to be. I'm called to fulfill this scripture and I'm going to do this in every way possible. And this passion that Jesus had, how many know passion attracts? Passion attracts. That's why you're at the springs this morning. 
Because you have the most passionate pastor I know. You have the most passionate worship leader I know. They are passionate about the gospel here in San Marcos. They're passionate about sharing the gospel. They're passionate about seeing the lost be found. They're passionate about it. And that's attractive. How many of you know when, when you see Pastor Peter evangelize, you're like, dude, I'm hanging out with that guy. I'm going to hang out with that guy. In fact, I'll never forget the first time I saw him evangelize. I said, hey, hey, I, I need some of that. Come around me. Passivity, it actually repels. Like passivity makes you go, oh, I don't want to be a part of that. They're passive. They're just sitting. They're not doing anything. They're not making any real change. They're just, they're just okay being okay. I'm not okay being okay. I want to be around people who have greatness, people who are passionate about what they preach and what they teach, people who are passionate about the word and the kingdom and the things that have eternal significance. My wife, Brandy, is passionate. She's passionate about everything. She's passionate about softball. She's passionate about having the best kids. She's passionate about making me a great husband. That's why she's always on me. You know, she's passionate about all those things. But she's really passionate about discipleship. See, when we planted our church, she realized that, that people needed discipleship. They needed discipleship because it wasn't enough just to hear the word and let it lay in the thorns, but it needed to lay in fertile soil, and we need to get this thing grounded. And we need to do all that we can and then let God water them. Let God keep watering them. But let's do all that we can to start tilling and sowing seed. And so she started meeting with girls. When she came to plant church, she would grab these women and she said, Let's do the purple book. Let's go through the purple book. Let's go through this discipleship process. Let's get freedom in your life. Let's go to Victory Weekend and let's see you become free. Let's journal and hear from God and pray and let's get your prayer language and let's, let's start doing some things that God can do in your life. Let's start believing God for the impossible in your life. And, and she's walked uh, dozens of women through this because she's passionate about it. And now women are doing that in our church because, because it, it is contagious, isn't it? It's contagious. And the truth is, Brandy could have looked at the girls coming to our church. Oh, that one, she's a hard case. I'm going to ignore that one. Oh, that one's a yes person. I'm going to ignore that one. She, she could start, you know, filtering them out. She could start making excuses Making excuses left and right. I want to let you know, apathy makes an excuse. Now, what's your excuse you're not coming to prayer tonight? What is it? Is it legitimate? Or is it a lie? Is it a legit excuse or, or, or is it a lie? Because passion finds a way. Passion finds a way to do what God has called us to do. Passion finds a way. It's, I mean... <laughs> You know, y'all know this, but Jess doesn't even partner with any organization. He just saw a need and went over to Haiti and said, man, I'm passionate about this. He just finds a way. He just self-funds everything. It's crazy. It's crazy, right? Who does that? Passionate people do passionate things. What are you passionate about? What is God doing? See, apathy finds an excuse, but, but also, if we're going to channel this passion, we have to embrace what hurts. We have to embrace what hurts. See, I, I have a tendency to, to be passionate but check out on the things that are going to hurt me too much. You know, when, when I'm around the need, a social justice need, and it just brings me to tears all the time, and it makes me emotionally not feel good. Anybody around that? Like, ooh, 
I really don't want to drive down that street right now because every time I drive down that street, I see these people and, and it just makes me feel bad. Have you ever done anything like that? Oh, oh I, I, don't, I don't want to be around that because every time I'm around that, it just, it just hurts too much. I just, it's too much pain. You have to embrace that. We have a young lady at our church. She's in her residency. She's a busy, busy woman. But every year from, from med school to residency, she has been serving with a ministry called Young Life. And she's been serving specifically with Capernaum Ministries, a special needs ministry to those in special needs. Special needs are, are ones that I have a hard time being around because it makes me hurt too much. But if I embrace that, watch what God may do. Watch what God will do with you and through you. The lie that most of us believe is just easier not to care, isn't it? Just easier not to care. I'll go back to my Instagram, my Netflix, my apartment, my whatever it may be. It's easier to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. I'm going to say that again for those who are taking notes. It's hard to take notes when I'm preaching because I'm so loud. It's like, whoo. It's easier to hurt with a purpose than to exist without one. It's easier to hurt with a purpose than exist without one. I'd rather hurt with purpose. I'd rather hurt with my destiny. I'd rather be in a little bit of pain. And I'd rather do that and, and then exist without a purpose. To go through life just floating, waiting for life to go on by. I don't want to live that kind of life. The story that's written by Ben Chapman about Ben Chapman, I don't want it to be. Oh, he just sat there. He didn't really do much. He just sat there waiting for life to go by. What about you and me? What, what, what kind of burden are we going to be passionate about? Do you need more stories from the Bible? What about Moses? Moses was sitting there, and as he saw his people, the Israelites, they were being, they were being beaten and mistreated in slavery, and he grew up in that his entire life. What happened in him? He started raging with this injustice that, that people are being afflicted. And this is not how God's people are supposed, to be cho- are supposed to be treated. And what did he do? Unrighteously killed a man because of it. You know, you'll get so passionate about stuff that you'll unrighteously try to stop it. You'll unrighteously do it. But God had a greater plan, a better plan. And y'all know the plan. He said that there is a way. All this injustice, I made a way for it. Trust me, lean into me. And Moses did just that. And he was able to see his people set free. He was able to see this injustice become just by a just God. What about David? David's sitting there tending sheep and he's doing all this. And he sees his brothers and sisters and they're whimpering at the Philistines and the giants. And they're wondering, oh, oh, how can we win? What can we do? And here you have Goliath. He's taunting their God. And what does David say? Who, who are you to come against the armies of the Lord? Who are you to come against God? Who are you to come and do this? You see, when somebody tries to come against our Savior, our King, our God, then we stand up with righteousness, love, and grace, and we start throwing stones, not physical stones, but spiritual stones of blessing and love. And and he who, who speaks blessing over somebody who curses them, it's like heaping coals on them. You know, it's just like, it's just like, oh man, I'm just gonna throw coals 
on your fire. You ever seen somebody red-faced and you're like, man, Jesus loves you. I promise, man, he's going to change your life. They start getting more angry. Have you seen that? And then you just keep speaking and speaking and speaking. And they're getting angry because the conviction of God is hitting them. And as you do that, God's going to move and they're going to be changed. You were changed. What about you? When God came to you. Lastly, the greatest example of one who channeled his passion, who one who saw injustice was Jesus himself. In Matthew 9, 36, when he saw the crowds, he was moved with compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. You see, Jesus saw the injustice. He saw a people who were scattered, a people who were afflicted, a people who had no rest and no home, a people who were without a shepherd. And he said, I'm going to do something about that. I'm going to come as a man and I'm going to live a life so perfectly that they can't live. They can't, they can't even live if they wanted to live. Just like this, this teacher of the law, just like this lawyer, he couldn't live like, like he was supposed to live. Love God, love people, but who is my neighbor? I fall short, and you and I fall short all the time, don't we? We mess up. I'm a jacked up person. I'm telling you, I'm going to sin against somebody today. I'm going to do it. And yet, and yet, Jesus didn't sin. Jesus didn't have one bad thought. He didn't say one bad thing. Not one lie came out of his mouth. He didn't do one ethical transaction in his workplace. He didn't do any of that. He was completely ethical, completely moral, completely upright. And he lived this life as the perfect lamb, innocent for you and me. And he gave his life freely, freely upon the cross, taking you and mine's place. And he said, he said, I'm going to take their sin And I'm going to take the sin for all mankind, for those who trust in me. And I'm going to nail it to the cross. And I'm going to die the death that you and I deserve to die. You and I will die for those who don't believe in Jesus. He shed that blood. It wasn't enough if he would just shed blood. But he had to raise from the dead. He had to conquer death. And because he was the innocent lamb. He had the power of God inside of him to raise from the dead, to come to life. And that is the life that you and I live for those who are in Christ Jesus. For those who place their faith and trust in Jesus. My question as we close is, have you placed your faith and trust in Jesus? Because the truth is, your passion will wane without the grace of God. Your passion will not be enough without the Holy Spirit inside of you for those who are in Christ Jesus. See enough. See enough for you. If you would, wouldn't mind, close your eyes if you're able. I want to pray for you. Before I do that, I want to read a blessing. May God bless you with discomfort. At easy answers, have truths and superficial relationships so that you may live deep within your hearts. May God bless you with anger at injustice, oppression, and exploitation of people so that you may work for justice, freedom, and peace. May God bless you with tears to shed for those who suffer from pain, rejection, starvation, and war, so that you may reach out your hand to comfort them and turn their pain into joy. And may God bless you with enough foolishness to believe that you can make a difference in this world 
so that you can do what others claim cannot be done. Father, I thank you for the Springs Church, God. I thank you for what you're doing in their heart, God. I pray, God, that you would move us from an apathy to passion, God, that you would channel us in the destiny and the lane that you have set out for each and every one in this place this morning. God, we love you, and we give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.